From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fires from freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, crew? It is October 26, 2023. Time for another Clover Tack Podcast powered by uh, our friends over at uh, Mostrum Tactical, we've got uh, a Susan, aka Unapologetically Armed, waiting in the green room back there. Going to bring her in here shortly, and he'll have what is uh, hopefully a great conversation. A little bit of house cleaning that we need to do first, uh, and right off the uh, bat here, say thank you to the Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members. If you want to. Uh, see what that's all about become a member be the one of those crews wherever you're watching you're listening probably some links down in the description below you're gonna hear me say that a lot i always do um yeah having fun with the uh personal daily vlogs for the channel members and the patreon patrons those are kind of fun just behind the scenes thoughts i'm having uh things that have went on that day uh, sometimes it's asking some advice, some opinions out there. So a uh, pretty cool aspect of being a Patreon patron or YouTube channel member. Uh, also proud to be a member of the Firearms Radio Network. All sorts of cool podcasts. Uh, you can find them over there. Firearmsradio.net. Hunting, Second Amendment, Firearm Industry Related, you name it. It's going to be over there. So Definitely go uh, check that out as well. Uh, and then uh, Monster Tactical. Always got to talk about them for a minute. Uh, who is powering the podcast this season. Uh, yesterday when we had uh, recorded with uh, Top Shot Chris, with Chris Chang, mentioned uh, flashlights that I very seldom mention. So I want to mention those right off the bat again today. Uh, because, you know, I don't think about Monstrum and the flashlights, quite honestly. And why? Because the optics are freaking awesome that's why uh and uh yeah whether you're talking about the lpvos you've got the higher end specter series and then you've got the more budget friendly uh, banshee series lpvos uh anywhere from one to six i believe by 24 all the way up to one to ten by 24 pretty amazing reticle in those comes with everything you need including the mount including the uh, uh wrenches and everything to get those nice and tight and mounted onto those rifles and then they've got the red dots and they've got scope rings and all kinds of various other mounts you're bound to find something that you like i'm sure something that uh, kind of fits the bill so to speak uh, with something that you have in your firearm stable so uh, yeah go poke around look around as always uh, you can find links i'm sure down below so let's get uh, Miss Susan in the house. How are you, ma'am? I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Brave man. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know about brave. Uh, sometimes, sometimes stupid looks awful lot like brave. So uh, that that could be more the case, I think, than brave. <laughs> At least that's the way I feel a lot of times. <laughs> um. Gonna give folks a um, a minute here. I say, folks, I'm gonna give you a minute here, uh, right at the top, for the folks out there that may not be familiar with you, uh, your background, your history, what you do. Uh, just give us that uh, that elevator speech, that rundown of who you are and what you do, and we'll kind of take things from there. Okay. Um, as far as who doesn't know me, that would pretty much be everyone. Um, I'm, We're gonna fix that. Was... We're gonna fix that though. <laughs> Yikes. Um, I call myself a retired stay-at-home mom. Um, I stayed home with my two sons and got them raised and out of the house, which leaves me with time to do what I am now passionate about. Around 2013, I uh, decided to get my concealed carry. And um, with the thought of that, you know, I was really cognizant of being responsible for every round I would send out of the end. So that led me to wanting to be more proficient and knowledgeable. And so I found what is now um, Armed Women of America and joined the local chapter that thankfully we had here. And then fast forward to 2019, 
um, the current leader of that asked me to step up and help lead. And so in 2019, I became uh, one of the co-leaders of the chapter and attended my first leadership conference, which was in Arizona. And that's where Diana Muller uh, came and was telling the group about DC Project and how what they did on the national level going once a year and doing that, they were going to start doing on the state level, advocating for uh, safeguarding the Second Amendment. And, um, and I just was sitting there listening and I was thought, yeah, I'm going to have to be a part of that. Um, because the more I worked with women and saw the situations they were in, you realize, you know, I wanted a firearm to defend myself against the unknown. Mm -hmm. But there are women out there that have the known and it's credible and it's imminent and they need and depend on their right to carry. And so I wanted to not just help them become proficient with their firearms, I wanted to be an advocate for making sure they always have that right. And right. so that's what got me part of DC Project, which is now rebranding and becoming Armed Women of America. And um, I spend all my time um, talking about 2A rights. Right. As a matter of fact, you're, you're fresh off of a trip, right? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call myself fresh, but yes, I am off of a trip and trying to catch up on sleep. <laughs> yeah. So how did that, how did that go? Kind of give us a rundown of how that, that trip to uh, the latest trip to DC went. Yeah, it was incredible. It was only my second time. Uh, last year was my first um, because of COVID. I had joined Armed Women, or sorry, Women for Gun Rights in 2020, but uh, then COVID hit. And so that kind of put the trip on hold. Um, so this year it was one day shorter to try and save funds. So it was really jam packed. Um, the rally, instead of it capping off the event, it led the event. And um, that was pretty cool. Last year I got to speak and I redid one of my signs for this year. And it was really impactful for me and it still motivates me to this day. And so I wasn't gonna speak at the rally cause I knew I couldn't top that. I was just gonna redo my signs and be there cheering everybody else on. That day when we were, uh, we had training all day, uh, sponsored um, by Gun Owners of America helped and we invited other ladies that wanted to make the trip come and be part of this civics and second amendment and legislative training, which was awesome. We were wrapping that up, gonna go walk to the Supreme Court where our rally was gonna be held and Amanda Suffolk announces that Susan will be leading the chance. <laughs> no one had told me, but I'm like, well, all right then, let's do this. So I got oh. to holler again in front of SCOTUS. So, you know, can't call that bad. So, right. yeah. Right. So that Amanda was how the week started and it just went, really really well from there really productive right. amanda is really good at volunteering people things exactly She's really good at that yes yes um and did y'all so y'all did speak with representatives while you were there right yes yes that was uh tuesday and wednesday we had to get those in um my group we started out was going to be a team of five and things happened and we ended up a team of three that wow. even had to split up once in a while when our meetings happened at the same time so i managed to get all our meetings in on uh tuesday and then wednesday um we followed up with some drop bys you know the ones that we didn't get meetings with we just had literature and went by and and even that i got follow up emails from that once i got back home so not a wasted minute you know right. was had yeah and all our visits were with friendlies so that okay. was more letting them know what we could do to help them you know um you know supporting them and so i didn't have to you know sit through and and feel what those anti-office visits, anti-2A right. office visits right. are like. So now have you have you had to endure that before with the I have not. I've okay. only done it twice and, and so far I'm all in friendlies, but um friendlies. Okay. Okay. Um, the time will come. It'll happen. <laughs> right. Right. Um well even with the friendlies with those representatives that you spoke with, was there anything that 
that stood out in your mind that you remember that you thought, wow, that was that was a moment? Um, well, I'm real familiar with my um, personal reps. My two uh, Missouri senators are both Holly and Schmidt are both real strong on 2A. Um, Schmidt was our AG. Um, he's new to the Senate, so he was Missouri's AG and was fighting vehemently for Missouri's Second Amendment Preservation Act. And so, you know, on our way to the meeting room with that staffer, you know, I was telling him how many times I had fired off thank you letters, you know, to him, you know, so I wanted him to know right off the bat, I know where he came from, I know we're solid. Um, so it was just good. Um, there was some cool stuff with another office, but I can't talk about it because even he couldn't talk about it. But it was just fun seeing him being right. really um, interested and excited about what they have coming potentially regarding the Second Amendment and our rights. And so I'm really encouraged and I'll, I'll be watching that office for any press releases because something good's coming yeah, regarding nice. the 2A from, from one of the offices we visited. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. I deal with that far more on the uh, industry side of things where you're privy to information that you have to sit on for months and months and months. So it, I feel your pain. I know how frustrating that can be. Yeah, uh, I didn't get privy to, to the information, but I was privy to that look on his face and it was good. Oh, so. gotcha. yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. Um, just a reminder for those filing in, joining us live, thank you for that. Remember, if you've got questions for uh, for Susan, throw those out there in the chat. We will star them. We will get to them. Uh, if you are watching or listening in replay, you can throw questions down in the comments below, of course. Uh, I want to back up a little bit. It was good to get caught up on the kind of the current state of affairs, so to speak. But let's back up just a little bit. So I always like to ask my guests this because it it the – the progression into firearm ownership and that sort of thing um, is, I find is interesting. We all have our own stories and, and backgrounds and, and everything else. So as far as you growing up, uh, firearms, were firearms around? Were they in the home? Were they a part of you and growing up? Or how was that like for you? Right. Um, they were, but I wasn't taught anything about them except don't touch them. Um, wow. My dad actually uh, used to re-blue firearms for a, a local hardware store and people. And, and I don't remember, I was too little to remember that. But then in growing up, there were always parts and pieces of firearms. Like I'd find them hidden in the back of my closet. And, you know, so I was wow. always just not, don't touch them, you know, because you don't want to mess up the bluing job. And, mm -hmm. and so, um, it it saddens me that he never taught me firearms because I would have loved that. Um, he was very particular and knowledgeable, and I'm sure it would have been quite the immersive education. Um, right. So I grew up around firearms, but don't touch them uh, was all I learned about that growing up. Then I got married and uh, my husband raising my boys around firearms and, and I was fine with it. That was cool with them. And uh, yeah. the most they got education from me was when they'd sit around with the revolvers and they would hear me finally reach my limit. And I'd say, quit that clicking. <laughs> eh, right. right. So it wasn't until um, concealed. Well, I had a shotgun for home defense. My husband used to be gone. Oh, okay. So when we moved to the country, um, I learned how to operate that one shotgun and that was my home defense until he start, you know, the typical husband thing started bringing home revolvers that I couldn't pull back the hammer and I couldn't pull the trigger. And, you know, and so then when I got into concealed carry, I just kind of fired him and went my own direction and started doing my own thing. So, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I like that story. It's it's interesting talking about your dad and blowing and blowing the firearms because it, it, you know, I hear I hear so many stories where there are firearms in the home, but they're still taboo, uh, and it's a don't touch in the sense of they're taboo. Yeah. But it seemed like in his case, and there may be a little, been a little bit of that, I guess, but it, in his case, it seemed more like, hey, these are refinished they're they're new we don't want to mess them up we want them to stay yeah. looking pretty it, it was yeah. a completely different angle almost for him which is interesting yeah yeah and um i got a lot of his personality when 
when things interest me, I go above and beyond. And like when I got into firearms, one of the first thing my husband said was, please don't turn this into a job. <laughs> and, and I laughed and I was like, no, I won't. But he didn't know I already had a shooting blog page and, and I was getting a YouTube channel set up because no one told me I knew it was important. And it was the right thing to do, but no one told me how much fun it was. So I went from a new shooter right into USPSA shooting after a training where I met my first multiple targets, you know, body, body, head, body, body, head. I went home and started researching where I could do that again because that was so much fun that I had to have more of it like now. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a job. Uh, you know, it would be lovely to make some money and not spend money on all this. But um, yeah, it's I've kept my promise. It's not a job. <laughs> so it does just keep me busy more than a regular job does. So and that's usually the case. And, and you know, unfortunately, it's it's sad, especially for those uh, yourself, the other ladies, uh, the uh, good Lord. What is it? Women for gun rights is what it's changed to now. D.C. Project. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I will never. DC Project was so much easier to say and remember. Um, <laughs> I know, but, but uh, no one knew what it meant. We spent so much time having to explain, you know. So right, yeah, simplify it. Yeah, yeah, two A for dummies, so to speak. Um, <laughs> that that works. Um, but anyway, yeah, you gals. I mean, it's it's crazy the amount of support that that you need, right? And. Yeah. So I would encourage those that are out there, you know, reach out, check out the websites, uh, reach out to Susan, reach out to the other ladies, you know, and, you know, if there's anything you can do, if you own a, if you own a business and you can do something, if you, obviously, if you own a, you know, a gun shop, if you're a part of the industry, uh, yeah, highly encourage I have for the longest uh, with getting you guys support because, um you know, these trips to D.C. and even at the state level, I'm assuming you do some stuff at the state level there as well, right? I uh, have taken it upon myself to, unless the roads are icy, I try and get there for every firearms related bill that is heard in the House because I want the voice of women firearms owners to be on the record. Um, And so, yeah, that's, uh, you know, during session that's quite a few trips to jeff city two and a half hours right Um, as far as helping before i forget um the new website is womenforgunrights.org and if you donate you can put in the note for a specific state or a specific person that you want to um help out you know we have the shop page where we have raffle fundraisers and things that go on. But, you know, if you just want to donate one time or whatever, you can um, earmark it for a certain person or for your state, you know, however you want to do it. And uh, they make note of that and they, you know, give us credit for it and stuff. So right. if you want to give the gas money to Jeff's city to go <laughs> say that over and right. over, you know. Right. It would be appreciated. Diana Muller always says, our founder always says, we don't have a Bloomberg. You know, we need a billion people to give a dollar since we don't have a billionaire to do it. Right. So. Right. And and that's a more, I hate to say it, but the odds of that happening, right? Or at least <laughs> millions, at least millions of people doing that or hundreds right. of thousands giving $10 or $5 uh, right. is, is sadly a lot more likely than a billionaire coming on board with two-day yeah. stuff for some reason. They all seem to be um, fairly left of center when it comes to the two-way the rights. I don't know what it is about the more money you get, the more disconnected you seem to get from two-way, it seems like. And I'm generalizing, but it's just... Or perhaps me, the less you want the people to have a voice and rights, you know, because it, think, the yeah. whole wealth political power kind of right you know it's definitely a power it's definitely <laughs> a power play definitely a power yeah. play you don't get to be a billionaire without being a fairly power hungry person i think um but, i would also think <laughs> but also think that once you get a certain amount of wealth i think that you start taking a lot of things for granted as well because when you live in some ivory tower 
behind huge fences and armed guards and you know you have the money to facilitate all that stuff right it's like are you really you know you're taking care of your personal protection in a much different way than the, than the man on the street so to speak so right. i think that there, there becomes a big disconnect um you know in that and also a lot of let's be honest a lot of these uh major people that have a whole lot of money uh multi hundreds of millions of dollars if not billions of dollars um they also grow up in seems like they grow up and they spend most of their life in a fairly non 2a friendly environment uh be that the big city right new york city la you know places like that and i think that ultimately has an effect on them as well but i agree with you more more is better <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see what we've got. Do we have anything out there as far as questions? I don't see anything. So as far as, you know, getting into, got your concealed carry, you said that you went into uh, USPSA. Um, at what point did you shift into, you know, more of like the training aspect of things? Um, well, especially after 2020 when the um, – the ammo shortage and stuff. I was sitting on a pretty good stash because I was shooting a minimum of two matches a month, if wow. not more. And yeah, yeah I mean, it was ammo. fun. It was, it, I told you when I get interested in something, I go overboard and yep. yeah, yeah. So it was that Absolutely. because I wasn't a great shooter, but I wanted to see how good I could get. And I had it all planned out. 2020 was going to be my year that I see you know, how much progress I could make. And that went down the hill pretty quick, you know, given the state of the world um, shortly into that year. And so after that, I decided to sit on my ammo for actual um, training. Um, I was part of my church's safety team. And um, nice. so I wanted to take, um, I took three levels of armed church security team member training um and and so it was just things like that you know i wanted to i was still too tight i didn't want to spend too much on ammo um right. so that, that day will come because the prices will never go back to what they were but i'm still sitting on ammo so right. i haven't yeah. had to you know bite the bullet so to speak yet but i will right. because I, I want to keep training so yeah, and, and, you know, whenever there is a, a – there's been runs on ammunition firearms for as long as I can remember. Anybody that's that's been around it their entire life, I know that, that for some of the newer folks, and we've got a lot of folks that, that have came into the, the community, whatever, yeah. um, you know, because of the pandemic, because of the yep. summer love, because of those type things in, in more recent times. And so, you know, they may be seeing – shortages now for the first time a lot of folks yep. and thinking that it's the end of the world because there's a shortage or and i always have to have to bring them back to reality and go look this happens it's it's cyclical like there's always a run on firearms and shortage at at you know and ammo at some point it's it's happened in my entire life it's happened uh, but what you said is correct is that the price never goes down but i think one thing we have to keep in mind with the price never going down is simple inflation Right, um, and that's a yeah. whole other issue with our representatives and our government. <laughs> that's, that's not related yeah. to the two A that 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 they really need to figure out and get a handle on. Yeah, um, because yeah, and one of the ladies on my oh sorry, one of the ladies on my team was FFL. She has a store in Iowa, Davenport Guns, mm -hmm. Janelle, and um, she was giving me a lesson in inflation that, you know, if ammo followed that, it'd be $50 a box, you know? So it's like, okay, fine. But still, you know, it's like, but yeah, she was giving me that lesson that, you know, it could be a lot worse, you know, compared oh, yeah. to other products. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely could. Um, so you are in, and we didn't cover this, but you're in Missouri. Yes. Missouri. Okay. So as far as you talked about going in and, um, and testifying there, let's, let's go down that road a little bit, if you don't mind, for those that, uh, obviously for those that maybe they live in Missouri and they're not as active as they probably should be with the 2A, it'll give them some direction, of course. And then for those like myself, just kind of getting a better grasp. I try not to, there's so many talking heads uh, that get on the internet 
and they tell the entire world what's going on in states that they're not there and have no clue how they work. And it aggravates me to no end when people do that. I'm okay with people doing that, talking about Texas, as long as they're accurate, as long as they've contacted myself, they've contacted Texas GOA, they've contacted people within the state and they're getting their information from that and not on a, on a national level outside looking in. I think it's very important to have boots on the ground, right? And being able to your, your sources and your information being those boots on the ground. So I think you, you've got some valuable insight potentially, but as far as the state of the 2A, let's say, um, what are some of the, what are some of the good things that have happened recently in Missouri? And then what are some of the, the challenges or hurdles that you guys still face? Okay, so Missouri right now is um, Republican-led, you know, super majority, so to speak. Um, and like recently, the one of the main 2A bills that has most recently passed was uh, the Second Amendment Preservation Act. And it was the only one in the um, country that had teeth. And talk about misreporting, um, they will say that an officer can uh, get sued for up to $50,000 for encroaching on someone's rights. That's not correct. That was changed before it ever passed. And it was that the department that the officer worked for, not the individual, but the department could be sued. Well, that is being, um, that law is being sued um, at the state level and in federal court. And um, it has just recently um, been stayed. And um, and so people try and say it's unconstitutional because of the supremacy clause, and I won't go into it all, but um, right. it's, the, it's the 10th Amendment. And what the DOJ, you know, Merrick Garland sued about isn't even the actual law. They say that yes, Missouri can, um, prevent its resources and its, you know, personnel from aiding federal, um, you know, officials, you know, like right. Missouri does well, not yeah, have to help the ATF go enforce anything, you know, right. just like marijuana and just like illegal immigration. And they're not even arguing that they're trying to argue some uh, of the flowery prefacing language um, in the bill doesn't represent the second amendment accurately and so that was the premise that the lawmakers used to pass the bill and so since that was flawed the bill is unconstitutional right so you know that's crazy law but that's getting misreported a lot so that's the good 2a thing um the bugaboo with me that gets me fired up and you know be ready to you know, kept my mic, jerked the cord, is we have a so-called 2A friendly state led by Republicans and Missouri still has more gun-free zones than a lot of the, the anti-gun states. Before Bruin, Missouri was one of only three states that did not allow carry on public transit. Missouri, Whoa. Missouri New Mexico, and Illinois. And then there was the District of Columbia. After, you can't find that anywhere. I had to go to USCCA's website because I wanted to know because every year I was testifying on this bill and I was like, how many states you know, restrict this? Um, and I went to USCCA's reciprocity map, had to click on each state and scroll down to the restricted locations and, and looked up each state. And it was only those three. After Bruin, You've got New Mexico, I'm sorry, New York, New Jersey, and Hawaii scrambling to get those uh, gun-free, you know, places enacted, you know, scrambling right. to be like Missouri, which is what I said in one of my testimonies. You know, you got New York, New Jersey, and Hawaii scrambling to be like Missouri, and I think I said, and that really bugs the snot out of me, <laughs> you know, is what I said to the, you know representatives of the state of Missouri and um, you know because I'm trying to shame them because right. you know it, it's ridiculous that Missouri you know still has these we've got such a list of 
uh, gun-free zones. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And then it gets convoluted if you have a permit. Oh, you can carry there. You know, they can just ask you to leave. It's not a criminal offense unless you, right. they ask you three times. You know, it's like, just stop it. Just get them off the list. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I get how that it could be. Uh, I get how it can be frustrating. Um, I, I know that, you know, Texas is, is and has been for the longest, which is inaccurate, held as some kind of huge bastion uh, of 2A. And um, it's a totally different story if you if you live here because um, a lot of people could not believe a few years ago when we finally and it, it had been a whittling away for thirty some odd years nearly um, twenty five easily uh, to get constitutional carry back here in uh, here in Texas and when we got that there were folks you know we were in the middle of that fight eh, I don't say fight. It wasn't that big of a fight because we'd whittled away for so long. It was the next logical step, I should say. Um, but so many people from around the country, I thought you guys were already this. I thought it's like, no, that's what's frustrating is you could have, you know, 80 percent of the, you know, of the state or whatever, or, you know, like 80 percent of the 2A stuff is completely great. It's wonderful. It's awesome. And then, you, you know this 20% or the 10% or 5%, there's these one or two little things that you're like, okay, guys, this makes no sense. Like you're totally okay with all this stuff over here. And then we have this one little thing that's a hang up. Yeah. Uh, they're and, like, and oh, we've be, given you this. We've, you know, we've given you this. And so it's just not the priority. And so that's yes. where I feel like women, you know, it's like you're disarming women, you know, I mean, think about it, public transit, you know, where do those people live? Oh, I don't know, maybe dangerous neighborhoods, you know, and she has to take a bus to get to work. So you're forcing her to walk, you know, early in the morning, late at night, who knows, you know, unarmed to take your stinking bus and and then walk to work. You know, she has to be unarmed all day, you know, and there's no excuse for it. And I get really hot about it because, you know, the nerve you know, of someone to not think that that's a priority, you know, or to the metro transit trains in St. Louis, you know, the money that who knows who they give, you know, that, that their say is more important than these women. So that's why I'm so adamant about getting our voice out there, because I think when it comes to the little things like gun-free zones, it's going to be women speaking up for our right to be armed where we live our lives where we have to go don't disarm me otherwise you're complicit in the garbage that potentially could happen to me you know unacceptable you, yeah you mentioned something there when you used to, when you when you said priority and something something stuck with me that's something that that frustrates me with the legislature here and i and i get it here because here our legislature is biannual meaning that you know for an entire year they can't screw anything up because they're not in session, which, is, which I think is great. I think all legislatures should probably be that way. Um, but what that does is that creates a situation when they do meet uh, that they're really pressed. They have a lot of different yeah. things on their plate. And, and people have to realize the, the government, whether it's you know, local government, state, federal, whatever it is, um, there's a lot of moving parts and pieces and things that they have to deal with. They have to deal with, you know, DOT. They have to deal with the roads. They have to deal with, you know, uh, you know, companies moving in and out and that being friendly and infrastructure issues and good Lord taxes. And there's all these different things that they have to deal with. Uh, and so, you know, oftentimes they'll get to a certain point like you're talking about. And I think that's, I think that's where my frustration lies is because I kind of understand why they push some of the little bitty frustrating two a stuff to the side is they feel that they check the big boxes and it's yeah. like, okay, now we've got to, we've got to handle all of this infrastructure stuff. We've got to handle all of this other stuff that affects most everybody in their day to day lives. And at least that's the way they look at it. Right. Or at least I think the way that yeah. they look at it. Yeah. Well, I've had, uh, yeah, I've had them tell me that that very yeah. thing you're saying, you know, and speculating on. I've had them tell me that, you know, oh, yeah. we've given you some good things. It's like, well, yes, <laughs> you know, but, you know, give you're us more. But you have to. But I agree with you. You have to keep you have to keep on them. 
and and I think that if you stay on them, they you know they will eventually find a place to try to work it in. Uh, but you've got to you've got to stay on them. Um, the vast majority, especially those representatives that actually do their job, I find that uh, they'll get a bad rap sometimes because you'll think that they're ignoring you, uh, or you'll think that they have forgotten, or whatever the case may be. And it's just that they're saddled with so much. Um, now, that's not that's not all of them. <laughs> I think I think most of them are a waste of space <laughs> in the in the legislature. Quite honestly, uh, we could do whether we're talking state level or we're talking the federal level. I think the vast majority of them uh, could go home forever, and uh, it would probably be a good thing. Uh, but there are those that that do work hard and you know like have a lot on their plate. Um, yeah, you know, and can I? Can I yeah. say something with that, that that you made me think of that I have had legislators tell me they are yeah. busy and they can't know what everyone else is doing. So right. if there are good 2A bills that you want to see moved more, tell your other legislators about them. You know, hey, you need to look at this. Hey, you need to co-sponsor this. You need to help this, you know, get traction, you know, because they can't in Missouri, my gosh, they each file so many bills, they can't keep track of their own bills, let alone what everyone else is doing. And so plugging them in and making sure they're aware. And that's what we did in DC as well. We had a list of three bills that we would like to see go further and three bills that we want to see stop dead in their tracks. And, you know, we just put it out there for them. And, and of course, right. You know, if you research and knew that they were co-sponsors, you could thank them for their support and thank them for, you know, pushing back. And, you know, that just shows them that you're watching and and, you know, there to help. So now when um, when you guys are going to the states, uh, especially the state level there in, in Missouri, I guess, uh, and you're doing your your uh, committee hearings, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. What? Is the presence, would you say, or how would you rank, I guess, the presence of anti-gun organizations like Moms Come to Mind, for example, or, or some organization like that? Is there an ample presence there every time you go, do you think, or is it a state that they're not paying that much attention to? Um, they're paying attention, and um, sometimes they'll skip a hearing and I'll be surprised not to see them, but then I'll realize, oh, there's not a camera here. Ah, <laughs> you, know, point. you know, yeah, they, um, it, it's real cute how they come in and they get their seat, you know, so that they're always in the camera shots and, you know, it's like, whatever, you know, and uh, I told a senator one year, a lot of times I'm the only person there testifying in favor of something. How mm -hmm. sad is that? That's you know, bad. yeah, it's pretty bad. And there was uh, one time a Senate bill last session that there were several of the red shirts and they were over there, you know, powwowing with uh, some of the like minded that were on this committee and the bill sponsor came in. It was anti red flag bill. And uh, I think we had three there to testify in support of um anti-red flags wow. of course i was the only woman you know but i mean that elevates my voice because there there were women there you know red flags yay they're the savior of us all you know and so my voice needed to be there so the bill sponsor came in and ha happened to sit in front of me because other bills were being heard and i just i can't do anything without cracking a joke and so i leaned forward to him and, and I said, just so you know, if I wasn't outnumbered by the red, I'd be nervous. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you know, don't worry, I've got this because they don't, um, they just don't concern me. Um, yeah. Yeah. My first time public speaking was actually testifying on a bill. Um, I wrote about it. It's uh, in the stories section, I think, on uh Women for Gun Rights website, but um, I was sitting there nervous. Um, I got there early and I was sitting in the back of the room and uh, was like, what have I got myself into? Um, and there were like a dozen, 15 red shirts and they were huddled and, wow. and it dawned on me, you know, they speak so boldly 
but they they speak such garbage you know they're also it's, it's they're also rehearsed. And, and they speak so they speak so bold it's yeah. like what would stop me from being bold because i'm right and right. it was like an epiphany a light bulb i've never been i wasn't nervous then after that moment and i've never been nervous since i noticed that my first hearing i was waiting for last session i noticed i was shaken and i was like what am i nervous what's this and i realized it was anticipation <laughs> it's yeah. like as my youngest son says when i tell him a 2a is happening something that happened and i'm all excited he'll sit there you know he's got this clint eastwood face and and he's like you're eat up and i'm like uh -huh. put it on my tombstone i will i will own that you know i'm eat right. up you know that right. i was shaking with adrenaline i could not wait and go speak on behalf of women and our rights so right. Right. i don't care how many red shirts are there um they show up in mass and only one of them speaks and what cracks me up is when they have the gentleman that's there with them speak i'm like way to go ladies right <laughs> you know that that really sends a message you know right. so yeah you know, it, it really opened my eyes to to moms uh, back when we had the uh, the constitutional carry stuff here. Uh, I was very active in that, more of a uh, getting the word out uh, and you know facilitating uh, people getting to the hearings and, and things like that. I didn't go testify or do anything of that nature, um, but being able to watch from that particular angle and view i picked up on so many things with moms first because i've seen every one of their testimonies right and i mean mm -hmm. you know was paying attention to it i seen them move about the capitol from the security camera angles and the different things and what they what was going on and out in the courtyard of the capitol and you know there's all these different things that mm -hmm. uh, i was i was privy to with with my role in that and they're so fake uh, I hate to say it, but it, it, as a group, I should say, uh, there are, I'm sure, women within that group that are genuine and sincere. They may be, albeit misguided, um, they're genuine and sincere. Uh, right. But they were giving away their shirts, like every red shirt that you've seen um, in those committee hearings, those were not rank and file moms members. They were literally giving away shirts to anybody that would take a shirt and put it on. Yeah. So, you know, how many people were on the fence? How many people really didn't align with them, but they were able to con into wearing a shirt, right? And then if you listen to their testimonies, there were buzzword key phrase things yeah. and and levels or moments of emotion, I should say, not not levels, moments of emotion that were timed to a T in that. And it's like they were coached, they were trained, like they they learned a script for this and and not that the story they were telling was not true right like the ones that were talking about maybe they had gone through some trauma or something like that uh i'm not going to discount and say they were liars and they were lying about that sure. that event that traumatic event but it was very obvious they were coached to to all align uh to try to get the most emotion possible out that they could uh and some things blow it a little more out of proportion, I think, than, than what it was warranted. So uh, I learned a lot. The, the one thing that I, I like, admire about um, uh, women for gun rights uh, is, <laughs> is, the, is the individualism that you ladies have. Because I can have you on, I can have Rebecca on, I can have Diana on, I can have whoever. Uh, Amanda, whoever, and you ladies are totally different. Each of you have a different story. Your attitudes are different. The way you conduct yourself is different. We talked about Amanda earlier. You know, she's a bull in a china shop, <laughs> and so it's it's interesting to see the that individual element of you ladies as opposed to their group, which everybody kind of seems to want to. I don't know if they want to. I think it's more like they're forced to walk in lockstep. And I think that's a that ultimately that's going to be a detriment, I think, to that organization. As you ladies are getting more and more traction and people are seeing how uh, your organization operates. 
Well, thank you. I'm glad you like what we're doing. Uh, as for me, I'm making it up as I go. Um, because like I said, <laughs> I was okay, a stay-at-home mom. You know, I wasn't into politics. Um, I just found myself, um, well, I hadn't even got into that, but it, it's irrelevant, basically. But I uh, spoke up to a representative about DC Project. If you ever need anything, you know, we can show up and be the counter voice and counter visual to moms. And, and I hadn't even been let into the private Missouri group yet. You know, I wasn't even officially part of DC Project. I was just excited and right. happened to have an in to reach out to this gentleman. Well, he invited DC Project to come testify on his bill in two days. And so that's how I found myself wow. in Jeff City having to testify and public speak for the first time was because I couldn't <laughs> find anyone actually from DC Project to go do that with me cheering them on. Um, I think I owned one teal sweater at the time, you know, and I was ready to go, but Right. Um, yeah, I thought, well, I've put our name that I, I said, our, I'm not even a part of them officially yet. Um, I had sent an email saying, count me in, and then I've got us a gig, right? And so I thought, I'm not going to let this organization down and let this organization look like it's letting this legislator down. So I just went and did it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I didn't yeah. know at the time that I guess I did it really well because it took me a year of doing it to realize that um, the ones on your side don't bother asking you questions unless you did well and they want to hear from you. That very first time I had three follow-up questions. They just wanted to keep me talking. And right. so a year in, I'm like, that was a compliment. I didn't even know it, you know? So yeah. Just, right. just go do it. Make it up as you go, but be sincere and and just plug yourself in where you can make a difference. And one right. thing I want to say about the mom's demand and the rank and file um, that I've learned is you're correct. The more I go to D.C. and the more I meet more of these 2A advocating women, the more I find out that they were in line with the groupthink of mom's demand. So many of our uh, wholehearted and most adamant um, advocates were vehemently anti-gun earlier in life. So I don't discount any of those ladies. I don't discount their sincerity. It's from the top down that it gets um, messy and um, disingenuous. Like uh, the one time the lady in charge of Missouri's Moms Demand spoke about me publicly, she said that she was a volunteer, unlike the the paid lady in Teal. You know, oh. every one of my testimonies, I start out saying I volunteer for two national organizations focused on women and firearms. Right. You know, but she, she had the lie, you know, to say that I was paid. And I'm like, you work for mom's demand, but you don't get paid. It's like, if I had a billionaire backing me, I think I would not be ashamed at wanting to be paid by that man. Right. You know, right. so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's, it's, it's the mudslinging. What do you do? You know, you, you <laughs> talked about, you talked about owning one teal jacket or whatever. Um, teal, it's just side note here. Uh, but. <laughs> Teal is not an easy color to come by, it doesn't seem like. so. No, there's um, varying shades, to be sure, yes. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. a teal suit in B.C., but um, it was a darker teal. I had to buy it. It was Ann Taylor. They called it ominous teal. And I thought, well, how can right. I not have that, you know? So, but yes, teal is, it's, it's iffy. <laughs> so for whatever reason, when your name comes up, I always think of your shoes. Speaking of teal. Uh, well, there is a reason for that. That was strategic on my part. I hate having my picture taken. Um, I'm shy. I hate having my picture taken. I hate smiling big with my gum show, you know, and I just hate it. And so it was, you know, look where I'm at. My, you know, the feet are here, the feet are there, the feet are go, right. go, go. And right. it just, it worked for me. And it, it helped me post without it being stupid selfies that I absolutely hate. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, I understand. Um, 
to that, we, we do got a question out here. So 500 Magnum uh, says, uh, I don't know about uh, you, but I'm a very introverted and socially awkward man. How did you become comfortable with talking uh, in the courthouse and in, I think he means in like the state house uh, right, and in yeah. public in general. So do you have any tips for dealing with that or, or um, well, it was for me, it was uh, literally, like I said, that I spelled out in that story. It was it was a literal epiphany moment that um, that it was like, I'm going to speak on this. Why shouldn't I be bold? Yep. Um, when you're passionate about something, you don't need a script. Um, you know, you may need to be reined in. That's why I've warned you, you know, you know, give me a, you know, say, whoa, girl, you know, and, yeah. and I'm trying, yeah. you know, bring it back. But um, yeah, it's just, um, and then I also used to sing in a rock band uh, wow. in my very much younger years. And, but I didn't want to talk to people, but I would sing. Um, and it's, you have a job to do if you're up there and uh, you're all scared. No one wants to see that. You don't want to do that. That's not who you want to be. And no one wants to see that. If you're supposed to get up there and sing, sing. If you're right. supposed to get up there and testify, testify. If you're supposed to get up there and, and chant in front of the Supreme Court of the United States, which my mind was blown that day. Um, I didn't mean to holler. And, and thank you. I have to thank um, G-Webs. And uh, Krabby Turtle for being there that day. Otherwise, I would have no footage of that. Uh, DC Project, Women for Gun Rights. I've never seen anything of that day. Um, so thank you to those guys for immortalizing my hollering. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it was going to come out that passionately, but we had right. had a heckler with a bullhorn, and he was drowning out a you know a seventy-some-year-old woman, and and that was his right, and I was just caught up in it. Um, yeah. but if you got a job to do, do it. And if it's right. a job that matters to you, you'll find a way, you know, or how much does it even matter to you? Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, no, I, I would, I would kind of agree with that. I mean, I've, I've spoken before in, in some pretty big venues. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't definitely wouldn't count myself as introverted or anything like that. Uh, but it, it, it can be nerve wracking, but. You know, the thing is, is, is I don't want to steal from Nike, but you just got to do it, <laughs> you know, um, it, it's it's not going to be as bad as what you've got built up in your mind. I can, I can oh, say no, that. Exactly. You know, yeah. It's definitely not going to kill you. <laughs> so, you know, uh, just just do it and, and see where it goes. Um, let's, yeah, uh, I forget let's... how I titled that story, something about if the cause is worthy you know, forget the nerves or something, you know, if it's, right. if it's worthy and no one else is doing it, get it done, you know, just right. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's switch gears here. We're coming up to the top of the hour. We're going to switch gears here, uh, Susan, and we're going to have a little fun before we get out of here. A uh, little segment that uh, I call on the spot. So we're going to put you on the spot with a few questions here. Now, <laughs> have I not been on the spot? Well, <laughs> okay. kind of. Different but, spot, uh, got it. Okay. But different. We're okay. going to move you to a different spot now. So, okay. uh, you were around the spot. You were circling the spot. You were spot adjacent, <laughs> but now you're actually on the spot. So we'll, that's okay. how we'll say. It. But uh, no, this is just fine. These questions, answer them however you like. Caveat them however you like. It's just for fun, is all this is. Uh, and okay. brought to you by our friends at uh, Anderson Manufacturing. So uh, be looking, if you're out there, you're probably aware of who Anderson Manufacturing is, but be looking for the bolt-action rifles coming soon, the Kiger 9C as well as the Kiger 9C Pro handguns. Freaking phenomenal. Uh, definitely look into those. And then they've got, uh, you know, all their AR platform stuff from 9mm, 5.56. Do they have a 350 Legend? It seems like maybe they do. Um, they've got some different calibers. So anyway, go check uh, all those out. So... Uh, here we go. We're going to start out with a couple of firsts. Uh, what was your first firearm? Oh, uh, that would have been that shotgun that I have no idea what it was. Was it pump or single shot? Um, it was a pump and it was legally sawed off. Okay. So 18 yeah. or, or better. Yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah. 
I don't remember anything else. That Probably we'll 12 gauge, but just a guess. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it was there if you needed it. That's what you knew. Right. So. And then the next one that he brought home to me was a cult detective special. Oh, okay. okay. So I had that uh, by my bedside for a lot of years. and but uh, uh, I have one as well. Uh, the one yeah. I've got was uh, my grandfather's backup handgun back in the day uh yeah. and actually carried it for a short period of time and realized then then realized um i may not want to carry like an heirloom hand-me-down <laughs> thing right. that belonged to my grandfather that may not be the best choice so yeah eventually I got out was, of that one <laughs> yeah i thought it was cool to have it my guys are all um big colt guys well my grandson's name is colt there you go oh, there you go um, yeah. <laughs> but um but it just you know, working it didn't work for me. So my caveat, the first one I got um, that I chose for me was a SIG 238. Um, okay. It was before I learned the push-pull method of racking the slide. So I thought I had to get something that the slide was like butter. Mm -hmm. And um, now my carry gun is the 365 and, and okay. I'm not shopping anymore. It just it suits me very well. Right. So. Yeah, once you find something that, that works, stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I say. Uh, first vehicle. Um, the first one I drove was the family Buick 71 Riviera. Oh, and all okay. the guys in high school would do the Batman theme. You know, they called it the Batmobile. <laughs> it was the dark green. It was really cool looking. Um <laughs> Right. And then the first one that I bought was a 79 Toyota Celica. Oh, very nice. My first was a 79 Toyota Celica. Is, yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wanted it to learn stick. Total, yeah. 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 Uh, very cool. But the Rivia was cool. Was, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Those old <laughs> Rivieras were nice. Uh, yeah. my The Celica I got, just as context, um, it was quite a few years old at the time, but my uncle owned a pretty, well, maybe even for hundreds of miles around the, the largest wrecking yard in the, in the area at the time. And for several decades, I think he, uh, he owned that wrecking yard. So this maybe. was a wrecking, this was a wrecking yard save basically. So you can imagine the condition. <laughs> it was, you would think Toyota Celica, oh man, that's so nice. And it's iconic. And it, you know, this it's, it's vintage. And it's like, no, this was a beater. It was a straight up beater. <laughs> it did not even have a passenger seat. So <laughs> that's funny. Whenever we went to town, it was, I drove. And then like my friend had to ride in the passenger side in the rear. So that's just the way it was. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a, a to total piece of piece of garbage. Um, favorite band or musician? You said you were in a band earlier, so this could be interesting. Yeah, the getting it to be one, I don't think I could do. <laughs> uh, bands off the top of my head, Cheap Trick, Credence, Pretenders. Uh, in the band, we did a lot of Blondie and Pretenders. Uh, oh, so nice. Chrissy yeah. Hines, I'm, you know, kind of a fan, but then we did the motels cause I played the saxophone and it, anyway. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So, so, but cheap trick credence, uh, Bob Seeger, Tom Petty, uh, and then switch gears, Brian Setzer, Stray Cats, you know, the, his orchestra, you know, I grew up in band. So, you know, my, right. my, uh, appreciation for music you know goes pretty wide i don't yeah. like modern country you know if you're gonna do country it better be old patsy klein and you know stuff like that but i'm a, I'm okay up to maybe the early 90s for the most part with country uh alan jackson garth brooks in those early days clint of that Mark, Mark yeah. and stuff. clint black yeah sure brooks and don uh early days dwight yokum Oh, I absolutely. Can, oh, I can yeah. remember Dwight liking Dwight Yoakam. Right, right. But yeah, Buckles. I'm with you. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of modern music I can't get on board with, though. A lot. So I tend to stick to the oldies channels. But what's sad is nowadays the oldies channels is the 80s. 
Yeah, I know. It's like all these radio, and then they're playing in excess or. They'll try to pat Benatar or something. You're like, that's not oldies. The oldies is supposed to be like the pretenders, like you said, or, or yeah. uh, you know, something like that. Yeah. Oh, well, um, it is what it is. <laughs> right. Um, do you have a favorite cartridge as far as uh, maybe a current favorite or just something that's fun for you? Um. Well, I, I just haven't dabbled much outside of my nine millimeter uh, range. Um, okay. I'd like to get into rifles someday. I don't even own a rifle. Um, I want an AR-15 just so I can tell people they can't have it. Uh, right. you know, so if anyone wants to help, you know, with that, but um, right. you know, I won't comply, you know, even, you know, even if I don't have one, I, I wouldn't comply. But, wouldn't comply um, anyway, right? Yeah. So, but I would like to, um, the thought of uh, long range target uh, mm -hmm. training sounds fun to me because again, if I'm going to do something, I want to know how to do it well. So right. that, that kind of tempts me to see, right. you know, how well I could pull that off. But so I'd have to say nine because that's what I have, what you, have. you know? Yeah. yeah I had the, the SIG uh, X5 Legion for com competition and stuff. So. Nine. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm size nine uh, millimeter if anyone's shopping for me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, favorite founding father. I don't know if you can see from this face how long it's been since I've been in school to remember the stories <laughs> on each and every one of them. But all the documents and all the fabulous things wouldn't have occurred if uh, Washington hadn't um, secured the victory. Mm -hmm. I'll go with that. And yeah. um, he always gave credit to the founding father to top all founding fathers. So, um, you know, he always gave credit to God. So, yeah, we'll go with George in this instance because... That's what I feel comfortable having yeah, much no. knowledge about. To, that you know, you is, give the guy credit for securing the victories. So, well, not only that, I mean, and and Washington is is definitely a popular answer to that question, and I understand why. Maybe the second might be Jefferson, uh, honestly, but Washington is almost always the the number one for folks. Uh, if that ever comes up in Family Feud, people. Washington's probably going to be the number one answer. I'm just saying a uh, little, little cheat code there. Um, but Washington too, like they, they wanted Washington. I mean, he didn't even want to be president and they had to talk him into it. And, you know, not only that, but they tried to make him a king or they kind of beat around the bush wanting him to become a king. And he's like, no, that's silly. And then they wanted him to become a president. He's like, eh, I don't really want to do that. And then, you know, then they want him to go for extra terms, right? And he's like, I just want to go back home. Like, uh, leave me alone. <laughs> we've we've yeah. done our thing. We've built the country. So, uh, okay. Well, that, see, I like that because if you look at my bio, all these titles that I hold, I didn't apply for any of them. <laughs> you know, they just right. kind of right. happened. And, and yeah. so go George. I like that. I like yeah. it makes me like him even more. You know, you yeah, do the job do. because you see it needs to be done. Yep. And once the job's over, you go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I am all for watching other women go testify in Missouri and, and applauding and 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 donating to their gas money. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Um, so yeah, let's uh let's let's close it out. I'm gonna give you a, a minute here if folks want to uh, follow all the projects, everything that you got going on. I know you got several things, a couple organizations to mention. Uh, where can they find you? Where can they follow all of that stuff? Okay. Me personally, I tried to make it easy. I'm at Susan Myers underscore 2A. That'll get you YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, the new website for Women for Gun Rights is uh, womenforgunrights.org. And um, and then I'm a chapter leader for Armed Women of America, uh, nationwide chapters that help women uh, get through their firearms journey. And, uh, you know, they meet you where you're at and help 
bring you forward. So, but at Susan Myers underscore two A. Awesome, Susan. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us for a little bit today. Appreciate it. And I appreciate we'll, uh, you having me. I know no one knows who I am, and I'm okay with that, except I want to make more 2A advocates. So, <laughs> right. so that's why I'm doing well, these things. So. Well, now, now, not that many more people. I'm not that big of a deal. So not <laughs> that many more me. people. Somebody out there knows me. <laughs> a few more people definitely know about you now. So I can't say that for a fact. It may only be two or three. It may literally only be a few, but a few. Hey, if they'll do something, it's say. worth it. It's worth it. All right. All they've got to do is share. And I always encourage, especially when we're talking with two-day activists and stuff like that, I always encourage folks out there, share these. By all means, yeah. please share these around. So, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on and uh, and joining us. And we'll, uh, we'll be seeing you around. Are you making SHOT Show in January? Um, probably not. Uh, I don't know where I would plug myself in at on that. Um, right. Right. Like I said, I'm still new. I got to go to a uh, gun rights policy conference for the first time. That was a Very big cool. step for me. And yeah. uh, it was amazing. I knew those would be my people. They just didn't know it yet. So I, <laughs> uh, I got to meet some of them that, um, you know, so, so baby steps here, you know, baby right. steps for the all old in, lady. All in time. <laughs> yeah. All in time. I understand. Thank you uh, again, Susan, for, for coming. Oh, thank on. you. Appreciate it. Thank you. See you guys. And uh, yeah, that's going to uh, close it out on this one. Big uh, shout out, big thanks again to Monstrum Tactical as well as Anderson Manufacturing. Uh, if you see either one of those companies around these social interwebs, uh, make sure to drop them a line. Say, hey, Clover Texas, thank you for the uh, support on the podcast. Uh, I'm trying to think who we've got lined out for next week, and I'm drawing, unfortunately, a blank on it. Uh, but if you go to CloverTech.com, there's a list there right on the homepage, uh, and you can see who we've got uh, who we've got lined out for that. This is uh, being recorded on a Thursday, so tomorrow, of course, is TGIF, uh, and then uh, we uh, go into the weekend. So I want to say whether you're live out there with us. Thanks, by the way, for the question that was out there for the conversation that was going on in the live chat while we were recording uh but uh, whether you were live whether you're in replay uh yeah have a great uh, safe weekend all that jazz don't forget to chain fire freedom and we'll see you later bye we appreciate the patreon patrons and youtube channel members who keep these podcasts going if you're looking for cool stickers patches and other gear be sure to check out clovertack.com Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the CloverTac Podcast.